The podcast that you're about to hear contains acts of sex and violence. The hosts do not claim to be experts on the subjects that they present. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Boom Nation. Podcasts dedicated less than eight zero killers and acts of true crime. I'm your host, Scott Alexander. Right across from me is Miss Tammy Underwood. Say hi, Tam. Hi, everybody. All right, let's finish out last week's episode. Oh, we're not going to finish it. We're just going to continue it. I have at least one more. Oh, Christ. I sakes. couldn't wrap it up in this one. It had been way too long. I keep on thinking of the goddamn name, the Doodler. Give me a fucking break. It's, it's almost like saying, the Riddler. Stupid Batman shit going on, goddammit. <laughs> You're so dumb. Finish your Batman story. Anyways, so where I left off was um, there was already... Two deaths, two murders in San Francisco area in the early 70s, um, one in January, one in June. Um, the second murder was um, where, uh, excuse me, sorry, I'm having heartburn, uh, famous uh, drag queen in the area, she was a well-known drag queen in the area, had been murdered. And everything, and because she was a San Francisco native, they thought that it would be easier to find information on her. But come to find out there wasn't, and that's where I left off. So, this Fagan, who was the investigative reporter, who, <laughs> I know you laugh every time I say that name. But um, a lot of the stuff that I we know more about is because of him. Because um, he really did a... <laughs> I can't believe I'm saying this after I just said his name. A deep dive into no, the did. case. <laughs> he was fist deep? Yeah. Anyways, and he really got a lot of the information that we have today, which I thank him for, because before I found his articles, I had nothing to go on. And it was pissing me off. It was worse than the sock killing, honestly. <laughs> so anyways, um, him and his investigator would search genealogical sites and they consulted with the mortuary that handed the burial and the cemetery where Jay was buried and Fagan wasn't able to find anything from those sources. However, he did hand them in the private investigator he worked with were able to locate one of Jay's nieces who lived in Holland. Okay. She requested that her name be withheld and I'm finding that to be quite the pattern amongst people. In this case. Um, however, what he found out from her, I swear to you, you would think were ripped from the depths of Stephen King's mind, but they were reality. Hmm. Okay, are you ready? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to give you Fagin's accounts, pretty much. <laughs> Jay had two sisters. One of her sisters, one of, yeah, one of her sisters was Alma Mae Stevens. Yes, Jay is actually Joe, a man, but because they use her stage name in a lot of these articles, I'm referring to him as a her because, okay. you know, it was her stage name. Okay, so one of his, her sisters, Alma Stevens, was believed that, truly believed that when she was murdered, evil spirits were released at the time. As a result, she had a mental breakdown. It was barely three months after Jay was killed when she finally snapped. She ended up killing and dismembering her own mother before tossing her remains in the family's fireplace and burning them. God damn. After she did that, she attacked Jay's other sister with a sledgehammer, striking her in the head. 
Jesus yeah. Christ. The second man. sister survived. And Alma was found guilt not found not guilty by reason of insanity and was sent to an insane asylum. While she was there, she gave birth to a daughter, which is Jay's niece who was living in Holland. Now, since she requested that her name be held, I wasn't able to determine whether Anna was pregnant with her prior to being institutionalized or whether she got pregnant while she was admitted, because we know that happens. Mm-hmm. You know, it's really sad when somebody's in a coma for many years and ends up pregnant, but it happens. <laughs> I don't know. Good Shut up, life. Scott. <laughs> when they don't move, <laughs> it's not a good thing. That's hot. <laughs> However, in relation to the big picture, that bit of information is actually irrelevant. When Fagan asked her if she could put them in contact with any relatives locally that were still around, she tried contacting one of Jay's brothers who flat out refused to speak to anybody um, about Jay's life or murder, but he agreed to contact the sister who had survived and she agreed to sit down with Fagan. Now, her name was Melissa Stevens Onrath, H-O-N-R-A-T-H, and at the time she met with Fagan, she was 70 years old. Wow. Yeah, she told Fagan some even more tragic things about what happened with Jay's family. Um, not long after she was attacked by Alma and Alma was arrested, Jay's father died in a fire in his office at his place of employment. Uh, that, along with the trauma of the attack and Alma's subsequent trial and institutionalization, caused uh, Melissa to leave the Bay Area. She had every intention of staying gone forever. However, she did choose to come back after Alma's death in 2004. Prior to meeting with Fagan, she hadn't talked to anybody about Jay in several decades. She hadn't even spoken to the authorities about Jay's death and murder since the day she had to go down to the morgue and identify her body. So it's important to note that she calls her brother Joe since Jay was his stage name. However, for continuity purposes, I'll continue to use the female pronoun. Um, Apparently, Melissa, uh, when Melissa talked about Jay, her eyes lit up. She verified that, yes, Jay did, in fact, do an amazing Julie Andrews. And she was so much more than that. She didn't lip sync the songs. As most drag queens do, she sang them out loud, and her voice was, like, according to Melissa, like electric honey. If Jay had lived, the sky would have been... He's, she says, if Joe would have lived, her, the sky would have been his limit. He was very talented. Very, very talented. And again, gorgeous. Oh my, we had such fun together, making up little shows while he was growing up, and then later on in the clubs. I mean, he was a fantastic and actor, and oh, he could sing. And apparently they actually did a routine together and they were preparing to go to Boston for a gig. Oh, wow. Right before, uh, cause she would sing and dance with him and another comedian who would, was apparently quite well known during that time. And the trio called themselves the wonder sisters. And she claims her role was just to be the female relief. Um, so like I said, they were planning on going to Boston for a gig, but Jay ended up being murdered. Um, so then after he met with Melissa, he had the urge to actually go see the house where Jay grew up and his mother was brutally murdered. Um, so he got into contact with the owners again, cause he had met, he had gotten in contact with him before when he was searching for Jay's family. Um, cause I guess on a more, uh, you know, he, he wanted, he wanted to get a feel of the atmosphere there. Okay. Which on a morbid level. 
I envy this experience. <laughs> you know me. Yeah. Yeah. I've always had a desire to know what it was like to visit a place that was associated with cases like this one. Um, a prime, arriving at the residence, Fagan noticed that the original fireplace was still there where the woman, you know, the sister had burned her mom's body. And the couple who currently own the home, Bob and Pat Johnson, bought it directly from the Stevens family after Jay and his mother were murdered. They were well aware of what happened in the house prior to them purchasing it, and all they expressed sadness that the family, they aren't bothered by the knowledge. And the wife even, I mean, the woman who, you know, co-owner now, says that she swears that the ghost of Jay's mother is still present. Sweet. Yeah. So just, you know, because I'm trying to ask questions as we go along. So considering what we know about mental illness in general today, do you think that Jay's sister was mentally ill prior to Jay's murder or, and that sent her over the edge? Or do you think knowing he was murdered that caused her to go insane? That's a toughie. Because I've seen it go both ways. Yeah. I'm, I'm just trying to sort that out in my head right now. That's that's a hard one. Yeah. Because, I mean, if her and her brother were close, super right. close. Well, it seemed like he was closer to Melissa right. than he was Alma. So, I don't know. That's, I'll get back to you on that one. Okay. That one's got to percolate a little bit. Percolate? Like coffee? For those Ooh, of you who don't know good. what a percolator is. Why are we always clarifying these statements? <laughs> because our, our, our demographic runs pretty low. Well, our demographic uh, is 18 age. to 65. Yeah. So it's, it's, so it's like tr- you never know. <laughs> so everybody who's like probably a go like 30 plus. Knows what a percolator. No, no, no. Well, at least 40 plus. But there, yeah. I'm, I'm benefit of the doubt 30 plus. Yeah, oh, I know what a percolator is. My grandma had one. And those who are like 18 years old are going, huh? what the fuck's a percolator? What the hell is that? <laughs> So it was a coffee pot. You filled it up with water. had a little uh, like aluminum thing, cup on top. You put your coffee in there, put it on the stove, heat it up. It would, the bubbles would force the water up to the little cup on the top and uh, filter your coffee through it. Which means it was strong because it was like as it like percol- the coffee filtered through that hot coffee would come up and filter back through it. Oh, it was delicious. Oh, yeah. That stuff. That there. was the best part of it. That stuff there, if you're if you started drinking that as a child like I did, yeah, you grow hair in your balls in a, in yeah, a quick yeah, you quick. grow hair on your chest, and yeah, no wonder my grandpa said it's not my growth and co- caused me to grow hair on my chest. <laughs> Never mind, <laughs> just kidding. With you and your big hairy yeah. chest there, sassy. Shut sassy? up. So you know, and you kind of believe the same thing I do. But what about the ghost of Jay's mom? Do you believe that she still watches over the house just to make sure everyone's safe? Good. Yeah. Man, that's a possibility. Because she's the woman says she doesn't feel threatened by her. Huh. So I'm just wondering if she just, you know, is there to make sure everybody's safe. Because she says she'll often leave the house and say, we're leaving now. Take care of everything while we're gone. You know. Or maybe she's crazy, too. You never know. This is true. Whatever. <laughs> I would do something like that, though. Well, I am crazy, so. Anyway, so now we have a third confirmed victim. Um... Do not even speak a word while I say this, Scott. The third confirmed victim was a 31-year-old German um, by the name of Klaus Christian. Get the fuck out. (laughs) I knew that there would be a Klaus eventually. Yeah. Did he not like Jews either? Did he try to get them into the showers? Please tell me more, Miss Tammy. Please tell me more. (laughs) I hate you. I am fascinated. See, and this is where I'm having conflicting information, though. Because 
I was I've been reading several accounts that say that he moved to San Francisco in 1974 to get a fresh start because he was attracted to the area for a few reasons. Number one, it was America, the land of opportunity. But beyond that, um, San Francisco was hip and it had its finger on the pulse of the growing population of the gay community. And he was trying to escape Germany. <laughs> I cannot blame him. However, because while in Germany, he managed a bar that was known to be the hangout location for both gay and straight customers. And he had a friend in San Francisco already. Um, and because Klaus's friend was an army officer stationed in Germany when the two met. However, I'll get into something else in a minute that kind of like negated that whole part of it. So since San Francisco area was the place to be for members of the LGBTQ community, and since he already knew someone in the area, Klaus knew out there, flew out there to visit in April 1974 and moved there a short time later. See, and this is what's going to be confusing in a minute. Klaus believed that by moving to America, anything was possible and he would be able to achieve better things for himself as well as his family. Um, on July 7th, 1974, Klaus's dream came to a screeching halt on Ocean Beach. Not far from the exact spot Gerald's body had been found six months prior, somebody came across Klaus's nearly decapitated remains early in the morning. This makes me extremely sad, especially when it comes to a Klaus. I had a good friend in Germany, and his name was Klaus. He, uh, he and I worked together a lot. <laughs> Shut up. It was obvious by the presence of the 15 stab wounds to the front and back that this was yet another rage-filled murder. Holy shit, yeah. man. So, and oh, plus it's nearly decapitated. I was just going to bring that up. So yeah. the dude like stabs the fuck out of him and almost cuts his goddamn head off? The fuck, man? Yeah, I have a theory, but I'll get into that, it later. Like, like seriously, that's that's beyond fucked up. Yeah, that's rage. Yeah, that's, that is uh, beyond angry. That is beyond OJ Simpson, dude. <laughs> whoever you are, Mister Doodler, eat a Snickers because when you don't, this shit happens. Shit happens. Just say it. Eat a fucking okay. Snickers. Now, when you consider Klaus was last seen at Bojangles, shut up, Scott. A gay dance club located in the Tenderloin District the previous evening, the and he was found on Ocean Beach, a popular gay hookup spot. The scene practically shouted, "Doodler!" With his Bojangles, we had a bar in the town I grew up in called Bojangles. Was it a gay bar? No, it was not. With There's a man a named Klaus. No. So anyway, when Klaus's murder was compared to the murders of Gerald and Jay, it seemed to be more violent. There were a lot more stab wounds and there were more signs of a struggle and the blood. Well, there seemed to be a lot more of that as well. Way more. The original lead homicide investigator in the case, an inspector Dave Toshi, my, my heartburn, later said it was one, if not the most horrific crime scenes he had ever been to. Do you need an acid or something? No, I have some down here. Okay. Yeah. Maybe Klaus can get you Because Tums doesn't work. Um... Klaus was found by a woman, and her name was Toba, Tauba, T-A-U-B-A, Weiss, or Weiss, at around 6 a.m. when she took her German shepherd, Moondance, for his morning stroll. There's a lot of German going on here. Oh, I'm just pointing that just out. Just wait a second. I am just pointing that out, so there's a lot of German going on. Yeah. When Fagan found her later, she was 95 years old. And so he didn't know what she would be able to remember from that time. He was impressed when she re- 
seem to recall it with great clarity. She started by telling him that when she found him, she just thought a body is a body. He was rather surprised by her statement, so he asked her if she'd seen a lot of dead bodies. And she got a little snippy with him when she answered, Young man, I was in Auschwitz. I lost six brothers and sisters, my parents. I know death. A body is a body. Oh, I'm very impressed with that. I know, dude. So I'm assuming she's Jewish. I would assume so, considering her last name is Weiss. Yeah, yes it is. But then she has a German shepherd as well. So tell me more about Klaus. <laughs> You're stupid. So, anyways, some things started to become a little bit clearer. Okay? If you take a look around the area, if somebody was going to kill a person the way Klaus was killed, one thing was for sure. In order to hack a body, and let's face it, Klaus was hacked. He wasn't stabbed. Yeah, I guess 17 fucking stab wounds. Yeah. Jesus Christ, Plus, he's nearly decapitated. Yeah. That, that was obvious by the brutality of it all. Somebody would have to would only be able to get away with it if they weren't seen or hurt, right? The location of the body was the perfect spot for this type of murder to occur. The sand dunes would offer the killer some sort of seclusion, and the sound of the ocean waves would drown out the shouts and screams of the victims. And there was also a cement structure nearby that resembled a bandstand, which would offer the killer a little more coverage as well. And these weren't spontaneous crimes of passion. It was obvious these were methodical, thought-out crimes of brutality. But here's the thing. This is what I'm not understanding. On a serious note, this isn't even my German bullshit, is so all three bodies, all three victims were displayed in public, right? Yes. Two of them at the Ocean Beach and one at uh, Golden Gate Park. So... With that said, like, I've taken walks in the middle of the night on the beach. Me too. You know, just And it's a popular gay hookup spot, so you know there's a lot of people out there. How, I don't understand how he's getting away, even at the park, when, granted, the traffic is lower in the middle of the night, but still, you run that risk of a hobo. Yeah. of, Of somebody like me who normally doesn't sleep. Well, and... And at 2 o'clock in the morning, you get up and go, you know what, fucking, I'm just going to, like, when well, I'm staying on the coast, I'm going to fucking go take a walk on this the beach. This was the 70s when free love and people were living on the beaches. Yeah, exactly. So, so how he how he went to get on to get three victims, two on the beach and one at the at Golden Gate Park, and not be discovered. Yeah. That's, it's shocking to me, really. I'm, I'm kind of hanging on to that point right there because it's just, uh, I don't I don't understand how. Yeah, me neither. Me neither. I mean, and like I said, I mean, I'm kind of like wrapping, because like I said, I'm not even done with my all of my research You yet, can't so. even do that in Germany. You can't. Murder somebody in the public and not get caught, but you can try to get them into the showers. Knock it off, Scott. <laughs> Fine. Continue about Klaus. Anyways, um, this is a shocking part of what we have so far. There are three men murdered in seven-month period. Gerald was killed in January, Jay in June, and approximately one and a half weeks later, Klaus. Yet it seems the cops weren't seeing what seems to be an obvious pattern. However, there could be a valid reason for that. And I'm going to play devil's advocate here for a second. Yeah. Okay. When we take a look back on San Francisco in the early 70s, it's almost as if it was the mecca of murder. I hate to use the phrase murder capital, but that's almost what it was. 
Homicide detectives were probably overwhelmed by all of it. That was the time the zebra death angel killers were present, which is one of yours that I want you to cover. But after last yesterday's episode, I probably won't ever have you do one again. Oh, my God. <laughs> Are you going to bitch about that forever? Probably. Then we had the threats from the Zodiac killer had just started. Right. Okay. Then Patty Hearst was kidnapped by the Symbionese Liberation Army. And at the end of each year... During that time, San Francisco could easily say they had approximately 130 killings that year. Okay, I can see where the cops are getting pretty fucking okay. overwhelmed. Put that in perspective. Today, re- they report between 40 to 50. No, and, and that, yeah. that's why I said they're probably pretty fucking o- yeah. overwhelmed. Plus, it's well, the 70s, and it's the gay population, and honestly, right. during that time, even in San Francisco, I don't think a lot of cops gave a shit. Well, and there's more to it, too. I mean, because I was really getting angry about the fact that there was nothing being done because they were gay men. However, you do consider the victim pool. They were considered prime targets. Right. They were all gay men who, despite the danger of being assaulted for just walking down the street, came to the city because it was better place to be than com- when compared to the rest of America at that time. As I stated in the last episode... In 1974, there were still laws pertaining to sodomy on the books, which is what they called gay male sex. Um, Their cross-dressing was illegal up until the month Kloss was killed, which meant vice squads were out in droves every night busing gay men for being themselves, just like they're out now busing drug addicts and hookers. But that's what it was. Okay, as violent as all that was, homicide investigators were drowning in the most notorious cases of the time. Um, One detective from that area tried to explain it, explain what it was like before computers were around to cross-reference cases and compile databases. And his name is Fran Falzon, and he was a homicide detective. And he says, when you were on on a call, we were going seven days a week, 24-7. You could have a case, and the guy sitting across from you could have a related case, and you wouldn't even know it. Holy Not shit. to mention the term serial killer wasn't even really a part of anybody's vocabulary prior to the 70s. Yes, we've had serial killers, but it really wasn't a term because it seems the era of killing changed in the late 60s and early 70s where most people went from targeting people they knew personally to going after strangers with no obvious motivation. Okay? So the concept of a serial killer was still new and unfamiliar to them. Okay, so the only thing the police files had was that Klaus suffered a few a slew of frenzied stab wounds similar to Gerald and Jay, and when they found him, he was wearing orange bikini shorts. I love him already. <laughs> carrying some makeup and wearing a few rings. He was a handsome man with cool sideburns from that, you know, that were indicative of that era. And he was known to frequent the local gay bars. The newspaper blurbs were no better. All they said, and this is weird to me, all they said was that Klaus had been staying with a friend by the name of Booker T. Williams. <laughs> now, isn't that... Somebody famous by that name? Uh, There's John Booker. Oh, Booker T. Washington. Who's Booker T. Washington? He's from the slave era, I think. Oh, okay. I don't know. Um, Why is he with Klaus? Yeah, but then he had a wife and two children in Germany. This is where I was confused. Because some articles said that he moved out there for the gay lifestyle, but then he had a wife and two children in Germany. And listen to this. 
When Klaus's family in Germany learned of his death via a very impersonal telegram that Williams sent to them saying only, sorry to tell you, Klaus has died. That's it. Wow. How how caring. Then they received a cryptic single page notice from the German consulate in San Francisco and a minute amount of communication from San San Francisco police department themselves. And that is the only thing his family ever received when they, when their loved one died. So I wasn't surprised when I read that his wife had quickly lost hope. According to Klaus's daughter, because the wife wanted to remain out of this, which, like I said, finding a pattern here. According to Klaus's daughter, authorities told her mother from the beginning there would be very little chance this killer would ever be caught because there were just so many murders to solve. So what part confuses you? That he's gay or that he's no, married? No, What this is what confuses me right here. Is his daughter also thinks that despite the cops' claims that it was obvious her father was a gay man, she wasn't convinced. She said that they that the assumptions are conjectures at best when people who knew him always saw him as an attractive, very well-groomed man, and she doesn't think just because he worked for a gay-friendly bar made him gay himself. And I agree. Yeah. I agree. Because so far you're not telling me anything that screams out that he's gay. Exactly. He Except for the for fact that bar. he had a makeup on him. Yeah, Big deal. Yeah. I mean, hey, maybe he likes to make it for drag queens. Well, and not just that. Back in the 70s, guys were wearing makeup, too. They were wearing eyeliner. I mean, there are pictures. God, I've seen them. You were wearing eyeliner. Maybe. Not in the 70s. Not in the 70s, but uh, <laughs> throughout the 90s, because it, it helps uh, reflect yeah, the stage off the lights. stage lights. Yeah. It, and the first person who ever told me that, I was sitting there going, really? That fucking works? Yeah, that fucking works. I'm like, holy shit. And it does. It does. It's amazing. Yeah. You just look you like want, you're kind of a raccoon after the. You want me to tell night. you how the best way to put it on? But no, I, I can, can tell you that now I wear sunglasses on stage. I noticed that. Yeah, fucking. it fucking works wonders, and plus the minor, minor prescription, so I can actually see the audience. Aww. Yeah, see, it's it's twofold. It, 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 it makes you think you're looking cool. Everybody's all, "Wow, man, that's fucking awesome!" You know, it looks great. And then I'm like, "Bitch, I can see you." <laughs> that's what I can do. I can see, and I'm not getting blinded. And not blinded by the light. Is okay. It? And I wasn't wrapped up like a douche either. Isn't it deuce? Deuce, yeah. Yeah, that's my thought. Why do you always stop talking? Because you asked me a question and I, I answered it. Fuck, Do you think? Okay, so here's my questions here. So do you think we should cut the police some slack from the 70s some slack when it comes to how they handled some of these cases considering the concept of serial killing was rather new? And do you buy into the fact that they were just overwhelmed by all of the murders to all, to begin with? I do. Okay. You know, and plus, you, you you hit the nail on the head there with the serial killer thing being new. And with what that cop said, like, let's say that uh, that we're detectives. Dun, 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 dun. And, uh, and I pick up a case of a young gay man who was stabbed 20 times and decapitated. Right. And you're right next to me, and you picked up one uh, maybe the next block over. And it's a guy in his 20s, and he was stabbed multiple times and decapitated. Well, if you and I are, you know, in the 70s. And we're, like, immersed in our case, we're not going to talk to each other. And this is, like, probably, like, the third case that I've gotten this week. Right. Today, maybe. Yeah, Yeah. maybe even for the day. Yeah. I'm not going to walk detective to detective and sit there and go, hey, do you have any gay guys in the 20s? Do you have any kings? Any kings? Go fish? Okay. Yes, exactly. (laughs) you know, yeah. because I, I don't have time for that shit because I know that tomorrow I'm going to get another three cases. Yeah. 
Okay. No, I, I mean, that makes sense. That's where it's like I wanted to put it in perspective with people because I was starting to get pissed myself. And now, you know, nowadays, of course, you know, we have like we have CODIS and we got. Right. We um, have computers and you enter all this shit into databases and, and it, it finds the matches yeah, for you. Algorithms and everything. I was everything. just going to say, yeah, there's, there's specific algorithms yeah. that go. If I put in, okay, my victim is a 20 year old male. He was stabbed multiple times and he, you know, we, we found his head next to his body. Right. Well, if, if you're in a different department altogether. Let's say that you're in Nolens. Yeah. And you get that case. It's going to match. Right. Exactly. Go, hey, wait a minute. Well, yeah. we got two of these killings out here and, you know, out here at this place that match this one right here. Right. So it's, it's, it's a way different uh, animal now. Yeah. From what I understand, like I always say, I'm not a fucking cop. No, but I'm I mean, you do have to consider, you know, this is before this. Everything was handwritten. Everything was, you know, everything. Uh, probably even before the time of typewriters. No, I'm kidding. Um, you would remember that. Dude, I still have an old Underwood 1975. That's because of when you were born. And my, la- yes. In 1875. Fuck off. <laughs> do you think that Klaus may have been gay and in the closet? Or do you think that assumptions were just made as his daughter states? It could be either or, honestly. No. I mean. <sighs> because you have to remember that homophobia in the u.s has been rampant when it has widely accepted worldwide yeah 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 you know so a lot of people can be flamboyant and hang out in gay bars and not be gay at all because there's no stigma attached to that in other countries you know what i mean right and here it's kind of it's we're, very we're taught to be ashamed of our sexuality period well when i was living in palm springs um having gay friends i used to go gay bar hopping Oh, yeah. And the, the rule of thumb is, as soon as somebody goes, hey, how about you? And you're like, dude, I'm straight. I'm hanging out with, you know, with my friends over here. They go, okay. And they, they fucking leave you alone. Right. That's pretty, you know, cut and dry. Um, so that could have been the case with him. He said, hey, man, you know, I, I relate a lot to these people here. Um, and I work at a gay bar. It's good times, good times. You can have gay friends and not be gay yourself. That's the no, bottom I, line. I used to hang out at a gay bar in Portland all the time because I get free drinks. The guys, the little gay guys loved me because I danced on the floor after they gave me tequila. Because they thought you were a big gay guy? No, because they thought it was funny. <laughs> I was fun. Her real name is Brutus. Fuck off. <laughs> so, yeah, no, because I can see that too, you know, because like I said, I mean, America, and it's sad to me, but America has been taught that we need to be ashamed of our bodies and ashamed of everything when we shouldn't be, you know? I think I'll agree with that. That's why crime happens a lot. No, crime happens because someone named Tammy is <laughs> jumping across the table to choke you right now. Please do. I still feel like shit and death would be welcome. Did you drink last night? I did not, surprisingly. Oh. I wasn't feeling good. Last I didn't really night. talk to you a whole lot the last couple of days. I went grocery shopping. That was the high point of my fucking day. Yeah, it's went like, to band practice, I, came home, then went grocery shopping with Jake, and uh, came back. He put the groceries away, and I'm, you know, I have I can't remember what I ate. Just something really small, and uh, I went to bed. And just I've been feeling like shit for the last weird. couple of days. Yeah, because I mean, I was almost feeling lost. When I didn't talk to you at all on Friday. Yeah, when I'm, not call, when I'm not calling to try to get the goddamn show numbers. Right. It was like I felt lost. Yeah, and then when I kept trying to, you know, when I called you back, you didn't answer. And then I texted you and you said, I'll call you in a minute. And then three days later, I still hadn't heard from you. 
I just feel like crap. That's all. All right. Okay. Please continue on. Next one. That way we were talking about my friend Klaus. No, we're done with Klaus for now. Ah, uh, bring Klaus back. I like Klaus. I know you do. But anyway, so we're going to go on to his fourth confirmed victim. Um, by May of 1975, three men had already fallen victim to a killer that hadn't even been coined as the doodler yet. Even though it seems that the police weren't seeing a pattern, a lot of members of the LGBTQ community were seeing it. But at the time, it wasn't called the LGBT. No, it wasn't. ABC. It was one, called two, three, the gay community. Yeah, it was or, called the yeah. gays, man. Yeah. You know, I'm just trying to be politically correct for the time, Scott. I am not politically correct. You're not politically correct in any time. But boys and girls, it's okay if you're a fag. Okay? Stop using it's, those words. I call my friends that, too. I yeah. know, and I'm going to hit they you. Go, Scotty, you are such an asshole. But we like you anyway. Yeah, hey, dude, just let your freak freak flag fly, man. If you like guys, if you like girls, if you like both, it's, it's your dealio, dude. Don't let nobody hold you down. Yeah. Power to the gay brothers. Power to the people. That's right, power yeah. to the people. So, after all, if some crazed artist went around sketching people as a way to pick them up right before they were stabbed to death at known hookup spots, the word was going to get around to watch your back, right? I was just going to ask about that. Like, because seriously. you may wind up being this guy's next victim. Yeah, you know, you're at the gay bar, you know, you're hanging out, and you're like, oh, sure, let me talk to you. And you're like, hold on, let me let me draw your picture. You'd think that word would have gotten around, you like, um, no. Yeah, no. not in this lifetime. Yeah, you ain't drawing shit, motherfucker. Yeah. I'm going to sit over here, talk to another dude. Okay, now, remind mind you, Gerald died in January of 74, Jay in June of 74, Klaus in July of 74. Poor right? Klaus. The next body... May 12th of 1975, almost a year later. Damn. Now, another body of a man was discovered on Ocean Beach Dunes where Klaus and Gerald had been discovered in 1974. This body was at at the end of Vicente Street, and he had been stabbed 16 times, and his heart was torn apart. Another murder filled with obvious rage, and this victim was 32-year-old Frederick Capon. So my question is, why that long of a cooling, quote-unquote, cooling-off period? I'm wondering if maybe he traveled to another city. I don't know. Um, I kind of hint at it a little bit, but like I said, I'm still kind of doing my research, but I have an idea. Uh, you know, or maybe he, he could have been incarcerated, but I don't could think, I, with as careful as this guy is, and being able to keep bodies in the public eye right. and not get caught, I'm thinking... Unless it was a mistake that he made, it was something stupid like maybe uh, he bought some dope or something and did a year. It's it's just odd. I decided it's right. it's a weird cool. No, I do have a theory, but I'm trying to. I mean, I'm almost done with my research before I even want to like even entertain this theory. Maybe he was in the porn industry. That could happen too. <laughs> was he a fluffer? He was a fluffer. He's like, hold on, let me draw your picture of what I'm fluffing. (laughs) So, anyways. And doodle you. Even though Frederick was a smaller man, he only weighed approximately 148 pounds. He was a well-dressed man. He was wearing a rainbow pattern shirt and blue corduroy corduroy jacket. Of course he was. Remember corduroy? That's the the material that you could hear before you even knew something was coming. When I was a kid, this will date me, I had several pairs of corduroy pants. You still did. (laughs) I hated them then. They're ridiculous now. Uh, Remember the corduroy like uh, blazer suit jackets that had the patches on the sleeve, the elbows. 
Oh, I do. Oh my god, we are so fucking old. Those are fucking Anyways, ridiculous. Um, he was a Vietnam combat veteran and a trauma nurse. This meant that he knew how to be on the lookout for possible trouble, and he knew how to fight. So, oh, the difference between this victim and the other three, the cops were finally seeing the connections with all of them. Up until that point, there were, there were separate detectives working the different cases. Now that they realized they had four rage killings against gay men, all left at known gay hookup spots near the water, all four lasting at a gay bar where witnesses reported seeing a sketch artist working the room of men, it was then that the higher-ups in the department assigned all of the cases to one team. Oh, no, I took my... And acid, I'm gonna burp. Um, the team that took over was actually known. Oh my god, Scott, you're gonna love this. The team that took over was known around the department as the Soul Brothers. They were San Francisco's first black homicide cop, Roteo Guilford, and his partner, Earl Sanders, who would eventually go on to become the city's first black police chief. You forgot to add one thing to all that. The Soul Train. <laughs> the Soul Brothers. I got this for you. What'd you get? Oh, did you buy me some caramel tea? Well, I thought I was only, only ordering one box, but apparently I ordered like six. <laughs> <laughs> wow, dude. I was wondering why it was so expensive. Wow. But they, I couldn't get that amount in my caramel, salted caramel, but that's a vanilla caramel, and I, I've tried it. It's really good. Is it good? Yeah. Um, anyways, maybe if I put a little seat salt in, it'll be good. Um, now you made me... Oh, anyways. With the Soul Train? Yeah. So they knew... According to reports... I know. According to the reports, these two men knew everybody on the street. They knew the criminals, the bartenders, the snitches, the blacks, the whites, the gays, and the straights. They knew everybody. man. It's the foes. Well, you know who I was thinking of? Um, Shaft. Yeah, Shaft would be another one. Or Huggy Bear from Starsky and Hutch. Oh, yeah, Huggy Bear. Look, if you don't know... He was played by Snoop Dogg in the early... In the the remake, but if you don't know the original Starsky and Hutch, I'm not even going to fucking explain it to you kids. Just watch the remake. Yeah, it was good. The TV show was amazing. Yeah, the TV show was freaking awesome. Yeah. So there was consensus at the department that if anybody was going to make any headway with this case... These were the guys to do it because prior to this case, their estimated crime clearance rate was around 90%. Because they got the big old fro, Dude, man. Because they had the connections. They had this, you know. Connections ain't got like, nothing to do with that, man. They got the soul. They got the fro. They got a pick going on back there trying to keep that shit all fluffy and shit. J.J. Uh, Walker with the pick in his hair. That's right. They don't use no Jarrett curl, nothing like that. They got the big old fro. They're the fro bros. <laughs> not the soul brothers. They're not the soul brothers. They're the fro bros, man. All right, boogie on, man, boogie yeah, on. Shut up. As, the, as with the case with the other victims, with Frederick, there was very little to go on. However, with him, there kind of seemed to be a less at first, um, but they did find out that what was known was that he wasn't just a vet, he was a war hero, Scott. Oh, damn. In 1965, as a Navy medical corpsman, <laughs> he managed to drag four wounded Marines out of combat zone while the Viet Cong soldiers were firing on them, and his left leg was shattered during the battle from friendly fire. He Jesus. was flown back home to Bremerton, Washington, to recuperate before he was awarded the Navy and Marine Corps Commendation Medal of Valor. Holy shit. Okay? Go on, buddy. That's I fucked know, up that he right? got killed. I know. According to his family, he and his sister were very close. 
Home life for the two of them was hell on a good day. Their parents were abusive alcoholics. There was one report that said that his mother literally bashed him in the face with a beer bottle. Okay. So the two of them wound up being passed around foster homes a lot. To him, the Navy was a lifeline. It gave him a fresh start with a medical tra- with the medical training. Almost as soon as he was discharged, he left home to settle in the Bay Area. It didn't take him long to find a job at St. Joseph's Hospital near Buena Vista Park and an apartment in the Castro. But something happened. Shortly before his body was found on the beach, he told his family he was tired of the city. When his nephew was going to go visit him in San Francisco, Frederick told him it was too dangerous and he himself was going to relocate to Washington. The next thing his family knew was that they were going to visit, getting a visit from the police saying he was dead. Holy fuck, man. Now, this is where I'm ending for the day because the next one was way too long to fit it into today's episode. But I do have some questions for you. Do you think the police motivation for assigning all the cases to one team was like they stated because they finally noticed a pattern? Or do you think it was because the latest victim was a war hero and they were feeling the pressure? Both. Okay. I think it's both. I think that because like I said, like you yeah, like they had said, they didn't even know what a serial killer was. It wasn't synonymous with, with what they were doing and heavy caseload. But then you get somebody that's a war hero that's going to make some news. That's right. Gonna, that's going to ruffle Even some Even with the stigma of Vietnam vets back then, because it was still in the 70s, that stigma. Yeah. Then but you get the still, Soul Brothers together, and they're like boogieing down. They got that, you know, they got that little, little skip to the step. I just hear that, like, you know that theme music that kind of associate with 70s porn now? Yeah. <laughs> that's what I see, man. Yeah. You know, and they're, they're, they're out there. They got their big old afros and their picks in there going, hey, brother, let me talk to you. Yeah, one of the officers was known to wear a fedora and everything. They And both of them, when they show up to crime scenes, it didn't matter what time of day it was. It could be like 2 o'clock in the morning. It could be like, you know, 5 o'clock in the afternoon. They were in like suit, tie, just dressed to the max because they knew that they had to look better than all their co- you know, their coworkers because they were a minority. And they wouldn't be like, um, shut up. They wouldn't be taken seriously. (laughs) So, you know, I agree with you. I think it is a matter of both. Yeah, it's it's a little bit of both. I mean, okay, think about it. Let's go back to my, the the homeless population. Mm -hmm. If I, if I'm a serial killer and I'm out there and I'm just killing homeless people, it might make some media, but honestly, who the fuck cares? Right. Seriously, nobody fucking cares. In the long run, nobody will. Yeah. So now let's bump that up a bit. Let's say that I pop someone who... Uh, is a war hero. Yeah. Well, now that's going to ruffle some feathers, and now people are going to—they're they're, going to notice. It's gone from yeah, there's a serial killer, but he's only killing fucking, you know, homeless people. To we got to find this motherfucker because, you know, yeah, the vote—the voting public. Because he's got this guy had two purple hearts. Yeah. Yeah. The you know, people who vote are now saying, "Hey, why aren't you taking care of this shit?" Yeah. So, that's okay. my thought. Now. When you look at Klaus, victim three was murdered in July of 1974, and Frederick, victim four, was murdered in May of 75. Why do you think there was such a long cooling off period? Is it possible that Frederick knew the killer and his plans to move back to Washington area was a way for him to get away from him? Could be. Could be. I'm so stuck on Klaus. I know you are. Why would somebody kill somebody named Klaus? I don't know. He sounds like a good man. You're so dumb. People, I hear these voices all the time. This is like one I hear regularly. Oh, 
I'm just saying that Klaus and I had a lot of fun in Germany. That is all. And uh, it, it kind of shocks me. Are you me. Dieter? I'm Dieter. <laughs> it shocks me that he was found by a Jewish lady with a German shepherd. <laughs> this makes me laugh a lot. <laughs> I bet it does. No, so, Poor Klaus. We so that's what you. I have for now. And like I said, I have a theory and I'm like trying to finish up my research so I can like, because it's epic. Not as epic as Klaus, but go I'm ahead. wondering if we're going to like, like throw a whole wrench into the whole police investigation like we did with the two killings. Because, you know, they're still going off that it's one killer. It's not. It's, that's impossible. Yeah. Don't even get me fucking started. It's fucking physically impossible. Well, that mutual friend that you and I had, he was telling me yesterday that he, he would go visit his grandparents who lived in Mineral. And I was like, oh, my God. No, do you know about this? He's like, what? I'm like, no, seriously. <laughs> it was around that time. So hmm. Perhaps uh, Perhaps he. No, I'm kidding. Perhaps he is involved with the two of sock killings and Klaus's killing, too. <laughs> we need to look closer at him. <laughs> You're so Klaus, stupid. Klaus, you will be missed. <laughs> so that's all I have for today. All right, we're going to wrap this one up. Remember that you can send us an email at brutalnation.cast at gmail.com. Check out the website at www.twistedbluellc.com. Twist Click on that Amazon button. If you're going to buy anything from Amazon like we all do, it helps out the show. It doesn't cost you anything extra, but time. Check us out on our blog pages, on Medium, Vocal Media, and Hub pages. Uh, just search at Brutal Nation. This show's copyrighted 2021 by Twisted Blue LLC. All rights reserved. We'll catch you guys later. Bye-bye. Did you say bye? Bye, everybody. Sorry. Jesus no, I got sidetracked. Do, Sorry. Do you guys see what I'm dealing with? Do you see why this voice is in my head? It's shit like this. Bye, everybody. Bye. <laughs>